Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to the Kings Cast Podcast. New episodes are released weekly. Follow on Twitter and Instagram at KingsCast, like on Facebook, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Welcome to Kings Cast with Eric and Ryan. This is your weekly Sacramento Kings podcast for Kings fans by Kings fans. As always, this episode is brought to you by Ziggy Smoke Shop. You can follow Ziggy Smoke Shop on Instagram at Ziggy Smoke Shop 209. They have locations in Stockton and Tracy. Uh, we are coming off of a really fun episode just last week where Ryan and I came on and did a really fun episode dedicated to Rashawn Holmes and everything surrounding that. Um, as we were going into the trade deadline, Rashawn Holmes was a big talking point, and we were just giving our takes about was he going to get traded, what's going to happen in the offseason, was he going to get re-signed, who knows, love him, hate him. Um, check out that episode, and you can find that streaming um, wherever you find your podcasts, um, no co-host today. Ryan is not in, so it's just me. First solo episode, but I couldn't do it alone. So I brought in our admin of the Kingsland page in front of the show, Casey Yost, to do the episode with me. Casey, what's good, man? Happy to have you on. Hey, Eric. What's going on, man? Always happy to, to jump on and do episodes. And um, crazy, crazy time to be in Kingsland and, and be talking with other Kings fans, man. We won four in a row. We ended last night. Um, in a outstanding way, man. The the full court pass to Harrison Barnes, turnaround three for the win. Um, awesome time, man. Awesome time. Kingsland is is juiced right now, and I always say, you know, it's one of those things that Ryan and I come and talk about. Uh, Kingsland is always better when the Kings are winning, man. And and so now that we're post trade deadline and things are in a positive direction, where you know we have a direction, and it's one of the things Ryan's really been pushing. Um, it's going to be exciting. The, the end of the season is going to be fun. And I think it's just going to be more fun around. Um, yeah, it, so it's going to be an interesting episode, Casey. Ryan's not here. I know he's really pissed about it because he always has a ton to say. So um, he's going to have to listen in and, and drop some takes uh, on our next one. But uh, this is an important episode, and that's why I really wanted to bring you on. So we've been doing this series. We're bringing you on maybe every three or four episodes and uh, about once a month it's been, where we do uh, a Kingsland. So we, we run a page to you know with Casey, Ryan, and I, and it's called Kingsland. And um, you know the, the page is a Facebook group where a bunch of Kings fans come together and just talk about the Kings. It's been a great group. Um, and just over the, over the last month, Casey, since we brought you on, just tons of growth, uh, tons of great conversations, op- opposing takes, um, how you feel about Kingsland and, and what's happening in there right now and the people and just everything. What's your thoughts on it? 
Kingsland has been awesome, man. It's it's really uh, turned out to to be an awesome place to to get together with other Kings fans. You know, I, I do my best on the page to interact with as many people as I as I possibly can and go back and forth, whether I agree with you or not. You know, I'll, I'll push you if I don't, and if I do, we'll go back and forth in in agreement here. But I always try to be as engaging as humanly possible in the group, right? And and that's been my goal since the beginning is to to have it be a place where Kings fans can come together and. Um, you know, whether you agree or not, you know, get, get together and talk about the Kings, talk about the direction you want them to go. And like you said, always fun when they're winning, right? Always um, get more interaction, get more positive interaction. And that's kind of where we sit right now. So I'm going to I'm going to continue to enjoy that as much as possible in Kingsland um, as we continue to win, as we, we push for the, the 10th seed, the 9th seed, the 8th seed going forward. Um, you know, I'm always putting those breakdowns in there. So it's it's a great place to be if you guys, if anybody's listening that, that hasn't joined yet, you, you should. You should definitely check it out um, on Facebook in, in the, the Facebook page group section. Uh, Kingsland link is always posted in the, in the show notes. It's always posted everywhere on social media. And when you go to, if you use our link tree to download the episode, you can find the link directly on there. Um, Casey, let's talk a little bit about the Kingsland page because we we met you. It's been it's been a while since since we met you. We met you on a on another uh, another site, you know, and and so or another group rather. Ryan and I were big on King's Twitter for for years. We've been big on King's Twitter, and King's Twitter seems to be really dominated by the local bloggy type of sites and the local media writer guys, you know, where they they have their takes and uh, there's not a lot of good conversations um, on Twitter. To be honest with you. You can't really go back and forth, I would say, two to three times with people unless it turns just crazy and it turns aggressive and people start berating each other, you know. It's just weird. Twitter's like that. So it's, it's, it was difficult to have good conversations. So, you know, we met you and we thought we wanted to create this thing, you know, this page, Kingsland. And so Kingsland was a term that I, I had come up with on the podcast to kind of talk about uh, – kings in media fans the team everything in general it's like an all-encompassing term and so we thought it'd be it'd be a, a good term to use for the group um i think i think that kingsland's kind of turned into that we have dude, we have the sacramento b riders in there kingsland they i think they used that phrase in the article this past week they did. Um, jason anderson that. did yeah yeah and i've seen that the second time in there so that's really cool uh we have cowbell kingdoms active in there um, we have this Cap City Crown is, is a group that's active in there. And there's a lot of people who are just honestly really smart. You know, shout out Ryan Jameson, John Buckner. Um, um, I butchered his late name last time. Aaron Nakamura, I think is how you say it. I don't have it up. But he, he, even though we disagree a lot, but he's somebody who contributes a lot. There's just a tons of people on there. Uh, Chris Laird, he's been going back and forth with us. So a lot of people who are just smart or passionate or whatever. And it's really been good to create a community like that, I think, um, off of Twitter where you can go back and forth. And at the end of the day, you know it's all love, you know. Um, you know, what, what do you think about the page and everything in that sense? And, and I don't know, I'm pretty proud of it, man, about the conversations. Me too. And no, I, I agree with that. I've kind of stayed off Twitter. To me, it seems like on Twitter, there's like one tree branch of ideas, right? That spouts from either, you know, some of the main writers at the King's Herald or, you know, Carmichael Dave, you know, they, they, they seem to all share the same opinions or they have over at least the last couple of years. And, um, you know, that's kind of the main 
tree that grows on Twitter and everybody kind of agrees with that, right? There's, if, if you do differentiate in that opinion, they, they're not the nicest, you know, that they'll, they'll come at you. A lot of them will come at you and kind of push um, that, you know, this is the only way to look at it. And the cool thing about our group and what we've tried to do in, in running it and setting it up is all the people you just named, I think have a variety of opinions that they lean on, right? N none of us agree, um, you know, wholeheartedly on everything here. We all vary and we all go back and forth. And, and that's, that's kind of been the goal, right? Is, is to allow people to um, come in with a different opinion and not get absolutely destroyed by everybody and feel like that they can't speak up. And if they disagree that they're just not welcome in the group or anything. And, um, you know, th th that's been my main goal with it. That's my main goal in moderating. And if, if I remove, you know, comments or, or posts, I feel like it's because it, it kind of sits in that area where, you know, you're, you're either putting down somebody's opinion or maybe unvalidating it or, you know, something like that, that that's the only thing I'm trying to do with, with moderating it. Um, but no, man, it's, it's, it's been awesome. And, and winning right now, even if you do disagree, it's all good because we're, we're winning and everybody's positive about it. So um, I'm excited to, to continue growing it or, you know, we're almost at a, a thousand members right, right now, one month into the season, fastest growing Facebook group out there. And, Love it. It's exactly what, what I wanted it to be when I started setting it up. I think you do a good job moderating it. Um, you know, you, you definitely are uh, more experienced than us on that side. And there is some challenges uh, to moderating a page because we want to keep the content, like we want to have quality content on there and we want to have quality banter. And I think, you know, one thing we've talked about is as the page gets bigger and numbers grow, like in any group, um, that becomes more difficult because then you have people who really are out there. You know, I think one of the things for me is I, you know, we have it in our notes for, or the, I don't know what it's the notes or it's the group's description or rule. We don't have rules. Description I think is what yeah. the section it's under. Yeah. And so one of the things in there is that we want to embrace that debate side of things. And that's, what's cool about it is you can go back and forth. I mean, I'll go 30 to, 30 uh, comments deep with somebody and it's just like we're just talking about whatever the stats are the facts like a sports debate and at the end i don't ever feel like oh personally fuck that guy you know and that's the thing about twitter and that's where king's twitter is so i think just twitter is toxic in general but when you're talking yeah. about this king's twitter is toxic and you have all these writers and it's so hard to, to drop a take the problem is is you mentioned like the Kings Herald, for example, we can pick on them. They have, they've developed a big following in the last year um, with KHDK as well. And some of those other people and people think that that is the point of view coming out of Kingsland. Like, you know, you saw uh, Jim Crandall, that old ass, you know, decrepit Fox 40 guy. I think that's his name. Right. And we had a, a funny yeah. post in Kingsland this week because in the trade deadline, when B, BJ Lisa got traded, uh, you know, he's, he, what did he say? Uh, you know, I can tell you that nobody's happy with this and it's, you know why? Because you have a unified, uh, tr of trash takes on Twitter. <laughs> and really, I think a lot of the good conversations are happening, uh, really in our group. I, I, and, and I mean, I'm just being honest about it, even though we were part of it and we facilitate that. I think that's worth a lot of quality conversation. And it really truly represents fans who care. Um, and I think that's just a good example of that to me. 
Well, from that post directly, right? You shared it in the group. I think we had 40-ish, 50 comments of people commenting on that post and saying, no, I don't agree with that. I'm pretty happy with the trade. Um, it, it seems like a lot of fans, they do get it. But, you know, some of these these writers, they just don't have access to that. They They are around other journalists all the time. And Man, it's been a king should tank. Um, you know, we have no chance. That's been the mindset with, with some of those some of those guys at the Kings Herald and other um, you know writers in the Kings Land you know universe out here. That's that's kind of what it's been. So anything outside of that has uh, been a bad take. Been a that it's not what fans believe. But you know, if you if you're in Kingsland, it's it's a little bit different. The the thing for us, you know, we're Ryan always maintained, you know, we're just fans. And why we started Kings cast was because we were just frustrated that there, we thought there was another opinion out there that wasn't being heard. You know, there was, there were different takes that weren't being heard. And so one of the things, I guess the main reason we started Kings cast was let's go on there and talk and just give a different take and let's meet people and, and see and see how these things play out and have conversations around that. And it's just fun for us to do. And and I think that both the podcast, doing the podcast, we've got that fix. And then really Kingsland, I think it's provided a fix, I think, for a lot of people. Um, so I'm, you know, we're real happy about about that. The thing that you said and and is the unified take, you know. Uh, that comes out because a lot of people don't spend all day on, you know, going back and forth with other people. A lot of people don't read every article. So they look to one or two or three people for their opinions and they, and they say, oh, okay, that that's it. And I agree. And I, cause I, you know, not people are invested like that. They're not thinking all around, you know? Um, and so what happens is you, you have this, collective uh mindset amongst the fan base and one of the big things coming into the year right you mentioned was uh, the media you call mainstream or the more popular media was pushing the tanking and we've talked about it a lot on here i think we've talked about it with you on here um and man it, 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 if you had a counter to tanking you were an idiot is basically the thing is but here we are now Post trade deadline, like you said, how many? Where's the king? Where are the Kings at right now? The last, the last couple of games, KC, like five and one, six and one. Yeah, I, I I know it's four in a row. I'm not. I think it's um, five and one though. I, if I had to guess, I'm not quite sure off the top of my head, but it's it's good, man. It, it's trending in the right direction. Um, you know the and to me, the defensive side of the ball. Uh, since Bagley has been out of the starting lineup and you know everybody that that interacts with me knows I love Bagley but there's been a clear you know change in defensive pre- presence since he's left the lineup and we've been playing really good man I, I know that we've we played some less quality teams but it's it's part of of this growing process and learning process to take care of these kind of games and even last night right I we shot horribly. I don't know what we ended up finishing at shooting from three, but, you know, going into the fourth quarter, I, I remember a point where we were like four for 25 or five for 25 or something like that from three. And we found a way to, to close that game out. And that's, that's going to be the, one of the next steps for this team. Um, and that shows that we're moving in the right direction. You know, I, I get that a lot of fans are, 
kind of fixated on that we still have a losing record, but you know, you got to be able to separate that from how they're playing today, what some of the changes are, um, you know, where they're improving. And to me, the defensive side of the ball has, has really been that. And, you know, it adds on to with the new pieces that, that we've, that we just traded for in Wright, in Harkless, um, in Terrence Davis, those are all very capable defenders. And I think it just adds on to, you know, that's the direction that Monty want, wants to go. He wants to continue to add the right pieces, defensive pieces around Fox and Halliburton. Um, and, you know, to me in the play, that's been, you know, so evident that that's the direction that they're going and that's where they're improving. So um, I'm very optimistic w- w- with the direction that the team's going right now. It's, Ryan really was the one who he, you know, he said the trade deadline will show us what direction they're going. You know, we all, the last couple episodes, we had no clue. Like they could have traded a couple of different people and this season really could have taken a one step backwards and it could be a whole different thing right now, but clearly there, there, there's a direction. What do you think? I wanted to ask you, Casey, the, the new acquisitions that they made uh, at the, at the deadline, made a couple of trades. Uh, my prediction my prediction really for the last six weeks or, or whatever, really just taking a look at the roster was always because I wanted them to compete. Um, I really thought that the most realistic thing here was trade the non-playing expiring bench contracts and pick up expiring bench contracts that will play, basically. Because I feel the biggest problem, you know, Ryan and I really, the biggest problem with the Kings um, has been the, they play seven people. Basically, and we, I feel like if you bring in one or two guys, just to, that could eat up minutes and play a little bit. You know, play a little bit. Really, uh, that can translate in a couple more games. You know, uh, and just better, better. You know, rested minutes. Starters aren't playing forty. All those reasons. So, what's your what are your thoughts on the acquisitions? Because in reality, they're not long term. They're not big contracts. They're really guys who aren't gonna go out there and start or kill it or threat to start. Um, what do you think that's as big of an is going to be a big of an impact on the team as I think it is. I do, yeah. I think it, it changes the chemistry really. And you know, looking at each trade one by one, I I kind of thought that the only thing that was certain that I knew going in was that Belly was going to get traded. That that was the one where I kind of felt like they were showcasing him a little bit, but at all uh, in other moments he wasn't involved in the rotation. He was involved in a lot of rumors, so I figured he would be the one that that was going to get traded. If we found a way to move Corey Joseph's contract, then that was going to be a win. And we did, uh, you know, not only did, were we able to move that contract, but we actually upgraded the position. I, I like DeLon Wright a lot. You know, I, I've been following him in Detroit. He's having a career year. Uh, I think he was averaging, you know, 10, five and five, 46% um, from the field. So I, I like that addition a lot. I think it, it gets us to a point where we can be okay with taking Fox out and having a, another ball handler, Corey Joseph, you know, was not able to really be that guy for us. Um, so I, I really like that addition um, in DeLon Wright. I think that he is, is going to make an immediate impact on both sides of the ball right away. Um, Mo Harkless, you know, getting him for Belly is, I think it's a nice piece. It's pretty even, right? I think Belly was more on the offensive side of the ball in terms of where he brought value. Uh, Mo Harkless is more on the defensive side of the ball in terms of where he brings value. So it's uh, in terms of like a, a talent swap there, I think it's pretty even, but in terms of the direction that we're trying to go and in, in the areas that we need to improve, you know, Mo really fits that well. 
Um, and then Terrence Davis, you know, we saw Terrence Davis last night, man. He is not shy. He is going to come in and, and look to score and look to, to shoot threes and attack the basket. And it's nice having a, another guy like that, you know, on the bench. I think Halliburton was kind of filling that role when he was coming off the bench as being the leading scorer in that group of guys that, that we would, you know, run offensive run offensive sets for. And now that can be Terrence Davis and, and DeLon Wright can be looking to, to set him up a lot. Um, so I think all three of those guys will be in the rotation going forward. You know, last night, Luke Walton seemed pretty set on making sure that those three guys played together. And in the first half and the second half, right, they, they came in and, and those three guys played together um, every single every single time that they came in. And I was a little hesitant on it. I, I thought to myself, ah, you know, you know, we, we want to get these games. Is this the right time to uh, be playing all of our new guys at one time? We did struggle a little bit here and there. Uh, but, you know, with the win, I, I, I don't have any complaints. I, I get what, what Walton was looking at and what he's going to be doing going forward. I'm trying to see if those guys can mesh well together, get them comfortable together as soon as possible. And I love the pieces, man. I, I, I love it. I don't know that it, it makes us, you know, up to a five or six seed team, but it's going to make us competitive in every game going forward for the rest of the year. In our preseason preview, I had said, uh, you know, I, I'm sorry, Ryan and I really, because he agreed with me on this. So I got to give him that take as well is we had said that the Kings were really going to be on the outside looking in unless they added a couple players. We, I kind of foresaw that in the offseason. Um, it sucks because they, it, it's just like last year. It's two years in a row where the first half of the season, if you remember last year, it wasn't very good. I mean, they, had, they signed Deadman. They immediately didn't play him. Um, Darren Fox got hurt. Bagley got hurt. Um, and really, they were really thin really until January when they traded Trevor Ariza. And then really got picking it up when they traded Deadman and were able to get Alex Alex Len and Kent Bazemore and just adding the you know the couple pieces, it really changed the dynamic of the team. And those guys, you know, Alex Len and Bazemore and you know even Giles got minutes second half of last year. Those guys weren't game breaking by any means. Clearly, you can see this year where where they're all playing. They've all been released and stuff. Not all of them, but you know that. Like Alex Lynn, that guy played a lot of it. He, he, he's got moved a couple times since. And so basically the point is that those guys weren't really game breaking, but it just showed how just a couple more guys on the bench who are kind of specialists in addition to your core lineup can be the difference, you know? Um, and if you just look at the record last year, it, it proves that. And so it was kind of disappointing this off season when they didn't add those pieces to the bench and it was, they were so thin. I mean, the Kings had the G League bench essentially with about seven players uh, the first half of this year, and that's seven included Corey Joseph because they weren't even playing Bielisa for a while, um, you know. And so it's 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 great now because I feel like it's kind of the same thing as last year. You have your core players. You trade for a couple minimal bench players who aren't going to be here long term. They're not going to be all stars. They're not going to be threat to start, but you can play them in a couple different roles. I mean, T Terrence Davis. He can shoot, you know, he can shoot us to three, 36%, which is not terrible. You know, you got a, you got a versatile guard and, and then Harkless. I used to like Harkless back when he was in Portland because Portland back then, I think, was he on that team with like Alpha Oak Minu and, you know, the young, big, just a big, uh, you know, f combo forward type of players. He was cool. He hasn't really done much, but if he, if he can get on the court, I've always said it, 
just being 6'9 and uh, athletic, you know, you're valuable for that. Just because you can body people, there's some length there. And you have NBA skill set if you're open, you know. So I'm hoping the same thing kind of happens this year where these guys can just get in where they fit in and they're used and it helps propel the, you know, they don't go, the Kings don't go on these, this nine game winning, losing streak, you know, <laughs> like, like they did because they have other guys. Um, so that's, that's my thought on it. It's just, it is disappointing though, because it's, it's, it goes back to, uh, it would really been nice to have these guys the first half of the season, dude. Right. <laughs> no, no, you're spot on, man. And, um, it, it's a very, it feels very similar to the move we made at the, at the deadlines, you know, last year, right. And adding those bench pieces to me, what I really like that's, that's different about it is, our, our starting group, our core group is a lot better this year than they were last year too. So I, I think that it is going to provide that same effect that we're bringing guys in on the bench that are going to help us, you know, hold leads and, and, you know, give our guys some rest and we're not freaking out because, you know, the lineup out there is Corey Joseph or Kyle Guy, Justin James, you know, it's, it's DeLon Ride and Terrence Davis and Mo Harkless. Um, guys that are going to come in and, and defend no matter what, even if they're not hitting, you know, they're going to be great defenders out there. Uh, but to me, you know, the starting group, De'Aaron Fox has taken a huge step. Tyrese Halliburton is so much better than anybody could have imagined. Um, you know, Buddy has been playing it really good this last month. You know, I think he's improved his decision-making, his defense. Um, and then, you know, H HB has, has been having a phenomenal, phenomenal year as well. Holmes is having a career year. The starting lineup as a whole is just, is playing so much better to add those bench pieces. I think it's only going to continue to help us take that next step forward. Um, and, you know, I, I, I love the bench pieces that, that, that we brought in, man. I think it's going to help us do exactly what I just said. The, uh, well, I would let's take us to let's take us here next, Casey, um, because some I think one of the most interesting things that uh, at the deadline is not what happened. It's what didn't happen. And that's that's I think there's a good conversation here because um, all the tankers out there in Kingsland are, um, you know, they're 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 upset because they've been talking mock drafts all year, which which lottery prospect fits best next to so-and-so you know that's been the talk and um and with that came rumors being reported quote unquote about harrison barnes is going to get moved uh kck's matt george put out a tweet if we can just trade buddy hild for expiring contract it would be the biggest win of the season so those are the things that were have been coming out and everyone was expecting hb to get moved um potential people wanted buddy to get moved although i said it's not he's not gonna get moved and he, you know but they wanted that um so th those are ones that didn't happen that people thought but i wanted to ask you because i think the biggest one is rashawn holmes is still here and we did this we did the episode last week the rashawn holmes episode where ryan and i came on and talked all about rashawn holmes and everything you know if he gets traded if he doesn't get traded ryan thought he would get traded um, and go back and listen to that. And Ryan, I'll say uh, the reason was because he's afraid that he's going to walk for nothing. So Ryan thought trade him, but uh, I didn't think he was going to get traded. That was kind of my prediction I brought out of it. Um, I know you have feelings about that whole situation, KC, and I, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that one particularly about that not happening. Yeah, I mean, 
I'm not upset that it didn't happen at all. You know, I, I think that the reason that we were looking at a possible trade scenario for, for Holmes was just because what we experienced last year with Bogey and, you know, having very similar conversations in Kingsland about, you know, how much we should re-sign him for, should we trade him at the deadline? We, look, we ended up looking at a situation where he, he walked for nothing and it's never good to let your assets go and not get anything in return. And I think that that was the only thing that we were considering um, with Rashawn Holmes as we approach the deadline. And everybody in Kingsland loves this guy, loves the effort, loves how well he's playing this year. Um, you know, from an on-the-court standpoint, it's not, it's not that we don't want him here. I think it's just a, from a business understanding and that we're going to have to pay this guy um, a good amount of money next year. You know, is somebody going to come in and offer him something that, that we really can't match and that puts us in a bad situation? And those are things that you have to consider. And that's the only reason that we were looking at trading Rashawn Holmes. You know, it's not like I said, it has nothing to do with this play. It's just about putting us in a good situation going forward. And I certainly hope that, that Monty, you know, as he made some of these moves that he was aware enough to go and talk with Rashawn Holmes about some of this and say, Hey, look, man, you know, we are in a point where we're going to try to make the roster better and, and have you guys get some help and have the starting lineup, get some help off the bench. If I can bring some talent in, um, you know, we don't want to lose you, right? Would you be interested in, in re-signing at this amount of money? You know, I hope you had those those conversations and it was like, you know, mutually agreed upon, right? Things change over time, but I'm hoping that those kind of conversations were were set up initially that made Monty feel more comfortable about being, and, you know, quote what he said, a value buyer um, in at the trade deadline, not looking to sell, but looking to to add some of the right pieces around these guys. And I think he had some conversations, you know, with him beforehand that, that set all that up. There's a couple takeaways from the non-move on it for me. And it's one, they traded for DeLon Wright, who has a guaranteed contract next year of around 8 million, I think. Um, yeah. And, and like I've always said on your, I'm no capologist because um, I'm just not. And so, you know, people who think they are are putting out things about how that's basically going to make it very difficult to, for them to sign with Holmes. I will, that's not the conversation, Casey. So I will say this in the NBA, if you want to free up money, you can free up money. You'll find a way yeah, to free up money. You I can. You can find it. So if you're, if, if you're someone out there who is a big Rashawn Holmes a supporter and you're hearing, oh no, they just totally did this, hey, hold off on that because. If they, if they needed to, they will. They'll find the money. I think a couple things that take away from me is, is this. It's that at the deadline, I think that there probably was some toxic trade because you heard the rumors coming out like Toronto and I forget the other team. Was it Charlotte or something maybe? There were some talks about they were interested in homes. You know, you see those things coming across the Kingsland page. And um, so I think there were some talks for me. I think for that I think the, the front office said, hey, we have a chance to add some depth. Front office wants us to compete. They don't want us to go back. They want us to compete. And real, in reality, the offers probably weren't much for Rashawn Holmes because he's expiring. It's a 30-game rental. At this point, why bring in people who aren't going to be here, who aren't really going to contribute to that level just to give them away? you know, for no reason. So might as well just compete with him and then pl- let the cards fall where they fall in the off season. Um, so that's my thought. Number one. And my thought number two is I don't think, I think that the market is not as high as people think it is. And and this is where I want you to comment on it, Casey, because we had a whole conversation about it. Okay. Um, people who love Rashawn Holmes say pay the man 15, pay the man 16, pay the man 17. And I'm like, 
Why can't you just pay the man market value? And then that's one thing we've tried to say is market value isn't 15, 16, 17. Market value is a lot lower than that. So I think that they're confident in what market value is going to be. I think they're confident in a number they can offer them. And I, I think they're confident in that they can um, make that offer and, and manage the money that's coming in and they think he can accept it. And honestly, if the guy does get that high amount, they must feel confident because we've said on Kings the last couple weeks, People who are who they are, they show you who they are, believe them. I always screw that up. And they've shown us what they're going to, they're confident in that. So if he, basically, if they can't meet the money and he walks, they feel, they feel okay with that. So um, thoughts? Yeah. I, well, like I said earlier, I, I think it really, it shows me that there was a conversation had behind the scenes that, that said, look, look, you know, we think that this is what the market might be for you. We're willing to, to match that which to me, I think it's going to be probably 10 or 12 million a year, right? On a, on a two or three year contract is what I think that ends up looking like. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that they're, they're very confident either way. You know, I, I would hope that they did have that conversation. I, I don't want it to be a situation where he ends up walking for nothing, but like you said, if there is, you know, they, they must have some confidence in that, that they'll be okay either way. Um, but like you had said earlier, there, there's still tons of time left, whether it be in the draft or, um, you know, in the off season coming up to, to make some trades and clear some cap space to, 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 resign, to re-sign Rashawn Holmes. If, if that's what they end up wanting to do, we're not stuck based on some of the moves that we've made. I've seen a lot of, um, you know, feedback from, you know, the negative about the trades that we made, right? Is it put us in a situation where we're just stuck going forward? Um, can't Rasha- sign Rashawn. And I, I don't really agree with that. I, I think there's there's plenty of time left um, that you know we can make a trade. We can clear some space if we really need to. Uh, but Monty's confident either way, right? If if we he, he's confident to make a trade, he's confident to let him go, or or he's confident to um, re-sign him at a under the table talked about amount, right? So I I, I think we're going to be good either way here. Um, you know, to me it. it, it we could have, if Monty was in a rebuild, truly a rebuild and tank mindset, I think the move would have been to, to let him go for a late first round pick or something like that. And it wasn't, you know, it, it didn't fit with that at all. And it didn't fit the direction that they're going. And I'm good with it. I, I think we got a good team going forward for the rest of the year, hoping we continue to, to string wins together. I want to ask you about Marvin Bagley, KC, because um, that's something I see you talking about a lot on there. Um, talks, there were talks they offered him in trades, um, and he they got shot down like one or two times. And, and yeah. the, Marvin Bagley is such a weird, a weird topic because the guy all. It's funny if you would have asked anybody in the off season, which we did, you know, what do you expect from Marvin Bagley? people all said we just want to see him go out there and be healthy and play and and just look like he can play i think he 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 walked out there and uh clearly you know he's got he's got game i think people poke at him so hard at his deficiencies and and i think it's just a matter of perspective with him i think that yeah, he's soft. Yeah, he's not defensive. Yeah, he has a hard time botting people. Like, yeah, dude, that's what happens when you're young and you're a big man in the NBA. I mean, and you're, you're a lanky, skinny jeans, 6'10 guy. You know, that's that's kind of going to take a number of years to develop that aspect of your game. I think he's shown offensively he's got skills. It's just so unfortunate he does get hurt in it. And people are over it. People are exhausted by it. My optimism around him before I, you know, is – 
his injuries are weird. They're not lower extremities, really. You know, the the hand this time, it's, you know. They're minor. Those, yeah. yeah, those things aren't like things that like he's not tearing his Achilles or tearing his ACL or uh, rupturing his quad or, you know, whatever the hell, you know. So what are your thoughts on Marvin Bagley, man? Because a lot of people are over it, and I know that you – well, I'll let you speak for yourself. How do you feel? Yeah, man, I've been so back and forth on Bagley because I – when we drafted him, you know, I was one of the few that was really happy about that pick. Um, I watched him in college. I thought he was really good. He, he played he played really well at Duke that college season, and I watched a lot of college ball that year. So I had thought that he was a pick that, one, we knew a lot about, and I felt comfortable in the talent that he was bringing to the table. Now, it's man, it, it's really hard to continue to stay behind him you know, when he's injured all the time, like he has been. And, and when he's played, he's looked okay. But he, the lack of development um, that he's shown over the last three years is more about him not being able to stay on the court. I think he's going to be a really good player if he can ever, you know, stay healthy. He has the skills there to, um, to beat one, a 20 and 10, you know, power forward or big man in this game and I think like you said as as he ages it takes bigs a little bit longer he's gonna gain size he's gonna gain you know defensive um, intangibles to continue to grow and if if he figures out the defensive side of the ball and continues to to take steps if he can stay healthy then you're looking at a somewhere around 20 and 10 average player that can play good defense like I think he's worth hanging on to um, but I also get the point that they're wanting to move him. And, and when you saw trades like offering him for Sadiq Bay, I don't dislike that at all. You know, I, I think Sadiq Bay is a good player and would contribute in a different way immediately right now. So I, I get that they're looking at that. Um, I just always, I always try to point Kings fans in the direction of, you know, look at it in two or three years down the road, you know, who's going to be the better player. I, Sadiq Bay or Marvin Bagley, I still think it's going to be Bagley. Um, but I, from the standpoint of contribution now, being able to stay healthy, you know, um, you know, trying to make a push now, I, I, I get that. But I still think to this day, you know, that Marvin Bagley is going to be a good pro. It's just about, is that going to be in Sacramento? Are we patient enough to, to wait that out? And he does get a lot of hate. His, his, his dad does not help at all with that. I think Grant just called him out, uh, did one of his rants and, and went, you know, went in on Coach Bagley. And I get that. I've never been one to, to quite care what somebody's parent tweeted on social media. But, you know, nonetheless, it is an image that, that falls on him from the, the Kings fan base. And it's, it's definitely been a negative one. It, him not being able to stay healthy doesn't help with that. Um, you know, in a transition, the, the other guy that falls in that boat is Buddy Heald, right? And I know that, that you have some feelings on Buddy Heald and um, thinking it wasn't the best time to move him. How, you know, I'll ask you a question back, right? How are you feeling about Buddy? How are you feeling about um, how everybody is kind of talking at Buddy right now in Kingsland, you know, whether it be from a positive or negative standpoint, you know, give me your take on that. For Buddy Heald, I, Ryan and I have been very consistent about where we are with him. Um, I think that he is unnecessarily criticized, I think, um, because they people like I went in something the other day. Someone's like, well, his turnovers. I, I, I looked at the turnovers like 
He has like 0.2 more turnovers a game than Tyrese Halliburton. He's got 0.3 more turnovers a game um, than Harrison Barnes. And he's got like 1.6 less turnovers than De'Aaron Fox and like 0.6 more turnovers than Rashawn Holmes. So, you know, the stats show me that's not necessarily the case. So, you know, it's crazy because people go, it's like when he does something, people just say they focus about that specific thing and blow it up where in perspective, maybe that's not the case. I'm like, Hey, you're your starting two guard who eats whole minutes. Yeah. He's probably not going to be the lowest uh, turnover guy on the court. He's probably going to be more towards the highest. Um, I get people's frustrations with him. I think it's just the type of player he is really. I think with, with buddy Hill, it's that, well, he only, he always shoots and misses and this and that. And it's like, well, he, Okay, you got to understand, he's probably being coached to pull the trigger from three strictly. And, and in the NBA, I mean, at, you're, you're elite if you're hitting like 42%. So, really, he's going he's gonna to be four for ten, really. So, I get the frustration on that. So, I think it's just for him, it's just everything is so blown out of proportion. Where for me, I'm like, I just look at what he does bring is the biggest thing. And that's what I try to do with all the players, really, is what, what do they bring and, and – um, is there something there that we need them to do that's, you know, and that's why I pick on, I don't, I do pick on Rashawn, Rashawn Holmes more on that because I, I do think that if you're a center, you should be a better rebounder. And that's kind of been my thing. I always picked on Willie Cauley Stein for that. I pick on any big man. You got to rebound and you can't be getting bodied. That's just a problem. And so I do it to other players. So I, yes, but Buddy Hield should um, be more conservative and selective in his shots. We don't know what he's being coached to do, so it's really difficult to to, to hyper focus on him with that. Um, I look at what he does do. He is a he, someone put it in the page the other day. Sorry, I I forget who posted, it, so I can't give the credit. I don't like we don't like to talk X's and O's on Kings Cast because it's just we're not coaches. We're not, we're not gonna question the coaches and stuff. But the, this point was made, and I thought it was a good point, Casey. Um, Buddy Buddy Hill is such a good three point shooter that even if he's in a shooting slump, you can't sag off the guy. Like you can't leave him open. You know, and, right. and when you have when you have guard who attacks the rim like that, uh it kind of changes what it changes a little bit what um a team can do. I think that's why the the lineup now is is has been successful because now you're adding Halliburton on there, which he's a great spot up three point shooter as well. And now it's adding two guys who have the spot up three point game. And I think that changes in a lot. I mean, there's a correlation between the lineup and Darren Fox going off for 35 points a game average the last six games. I mean, you know what I mean? Or yeah, I don't know if that's that, but it seems like that's what he's doing. There's a correlation. That, so that's the thing about Buddy Heald with that. I, I look, I look at what he does do. I think the biggest thing is the money, you know, for him is, is why people hate on him the most. I think he was getting yeah. paid 15 million. People would love him. Yeah. And in, in addition to that, um, you know, I was, as you were breaking that down, what, what came to mind is, you know, the turnover numbers, they're not crazy. It's, it's really the type of turnovers that I think fans have a, a big issue with. And it's him going out and throwing the ball, you know, directly to a defender or something like that. And, um, you know, you got to understand that a turnover is a turnover. You know, it, it may look a little bit dumber and, and something that, that frustrates you as a fan. Um, but, you know, he's not out there turning the ball over a crazy amount. Like you said, I think fans just kind of get upset with the kind of turnovers that, that it is. And I get that. But at the end of the day, you know, it, a turnover is a turnover. So 
Um, I, I've always thought that the, the buddy kind of got some, some unjust criticism. And I think the guy that, that made that, that point was, and I don't know his last name, but I think his name's Viggy. Um, you know, he's been, you know, really interactive with the group recently and I think he, he makes some great posts. So, you know, shout out to you, but yeah, he, I think the point that he made was, you know, buddy being out there, no matter what, if he's hitting or he's not hitting, right. He could be one for 10. And you still have to close out. You still have to run out to the line. And, and having a best player on our team like Fox who wants to get to the rim, um, you know, multiple times a game and attack and attack and attack and attack. Having a player that you cannot take a step in on and Buddy Heald, I, I think is more valuable than, than most fans realize. And, you know, like I said, even if he's not hitting out there, which, you know, seems to be every other game right now, um, he, he's still somebody that has to be guarded. So um, it, w- when he's not hitting, he still provides a benefit. But when he is, you know, it's just that much extra. So I, I, I see the value in Buddy. I've never been one to hate on him. I, I have a really close friend um, who, you know, we seem to go back and forth on that a lot. He, he hates Buddy and he has for the last couple of years. And it's more of the, the kind of moves or the kind of things that he does that, that frustrates him. Um, but you guys got to see the value there and you got to see the importance that having a shooter like that brings to the team in terms of spacing. And, um, you know, that's my main point with buddy. And I wanted to, to get your take on it as well. Yeah. The, you have to have a, you have in today's NBA, you have to have those types of shooters on, on your team. You just have to. And when you have a guard in Darren Fox, who his entire game is based off taking people off the dribble and taking him to the hole and pushing down the court and penetrating, like you have to have spacing to offset that. So you need players on your roster to do that. Um, that's why I've been like when people, you know, fantasy talk about like Victor Oladipo, Ryan and I were always like, yeah, defensively he may be good, but like three point shooting, he's not. And I think that you have to have those guys on the court. That's why I like my, the Miami heat, the, you know, they, they hung on to, to Duncan Robinson and Tyler hero and those guys like that, because they, you know, and you can go across the league and, and use, uh, that is an example like that. There's a value to that. I think the thing is, is that in the NBA now teams have teams, rosters are entirely developed with length and a multiple position switching and stuff like that to where people defend the three point line. Well, um, you're not going to have all those shots. It's very, you know, you have to draw up shots for guys like that. It's, it's, it's the game is changing. And so, yeah, there's going to be games where when you have a guy who only shoots threes, who's only being coached to shoot threes, and the team says, we're not going to let him shoot threes, that's where you have those games, you know? And I think the Kings, as they grow, they're going to have to be able to work off of that and score in other ways off of that. I think that's why Halliburton being the lineup, having someone who can handle the ball and move the ball and also shoot himself. And the lineup right now looks, maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe this is the evolution of the Kings and really removing Bagley out of the equation it looks good. You know, I'm, we're about the, the proof is in the pudding. You know what I mean? It's right there. They're looking good. We'll see if it sustains, but maybe the whole time, buddy, he wasn't the problem. Right. Yeah. And I think it's, um, you know, it's, it's hard to have buddy and Bagley both on the court at the same time. So I'll, I'll pose a question for you. Right. And I think we just got an update that the Bagley's, you know, progressing well, he's looking like he could come back here in the next um, three or four weeks are you messing with this lineup, man? What when he comes back? What are you doing with that? I have my feelings about Bagley. I'm sure Ryan will talk us. Ryan and I will talk about it at another time. You know, um, I I'll say this. I I like Marvin Bagley, and I believe when you draft super young guys, you got to be patient and develop them. 
Okay, so that's, I'll say that. But I'm about the Kings winning, man, the number one about the Kings winning. And, it's, and this is where I can – I feel like I can separate my take where a lot of people can't. And I will say – I can say this. I really like Marvin Bagley. I think the Kings should develop him. I think he's a, he can really help the team out. And I'm he's super, yeah. and I'm super cool with him playing off the bench, and I'm totally okay with that. Yeah, it's the same thing like with Halliburton. You know, people are like he needs to start right away. He just like, why can't he just play off the bench? In today's NBA, you know, guys off the bench play thirty minutes. Halliburton is playing thirty minutes all year from the bench. Bagley, who right now he okay, look it, they're better with you off the court. You've shown you can't do certain things, but you've shown you can do things. Why don't we just let you go in? and do the things that you can do off the bench. You know, what's been the biggest problem with the Kings this season, Casey? They're bench scoring. Right? right. They're bench scoring. Okay, now we now we have Whiteside. We have Bagley, Harkless, right? You know, they got other guys. Like, that's a lot better. I'm cool with that. I'm totally cool with that. And honestly, I'm crossing my fingers, hoping that his young blood, you know, his, his being 22 years old, you know, his recovery, I'm old as shit, you know, it would take, I'd be out for the next year, but to him, I'm hoping he comes back with the quickness because I would love to see him come off the bench. I think, I think if he came off the bench, Casey, and was his statistical baselines, 14 and seven. I mean, if he comes out and he's 14 and, and four in limited, you know, in limited minutes, they don't have that right now. I think it would be a huge boost to the team and I would love it. And I'm, I'm even cool with, you know, in the future, looking past that, if that's his role for a while, that's his role. I'm cool with that. For sure, and that's it's kind of the role he played his rookie year, right? When um, when Jaeger was the coach, he he wasn't starting him; he was bringing him off the bench, and he he still provided similar numbers. I think he was fourteen and six or something like that his rookie year. So, um, you know, I, I agree, spot on. I, I wanted to, to to see where you were with that, and if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And we've been winning games, so uh, when Bagley comes back, he he should be brought off the bench, in my opinion, and he can he can bring a nice nice spark off the bench that we really don't have from a, a big man scoring aspect. And so, yeah, I, I like that. I think that take is spot on. Marvin Bagley, his rookie year, 15 points a game, 7.6 assists in 25 minutes. He played 62 games. He only started four of them. So, I mean, he's basically, yeah. he was basically 15 and 7 in 25 minutes. Uh, let's get him 20 minutes for the rest of the season. I mean, is 13 and 4? That's That's totally fair to say that he could produce that. Um, I think it would change a lot of things on that. Um, Casey, I got something else I want to run by you because now we're post-trade done. We've had this whole conversation about all this, and now it's the – this is what I would – you tell me this, Casey. I think this is the tanker's reluctant take now. They're like, oh, God, we, they didn't tank. What do we say? All right, I think they sent a room, and they say – all right, I got it, okay? Um, now we're competing for the 10th seed to be a no-man's land. Yeah, See, now we're, now we're just spinning our wheels, man. We're just stuck again. This franchise frustrates me because now, now they're trying to compete and be in no-man's land, okay? Help me out. <laughs> that is the take. No, that, that's funny. That, that's what they're saying right now is, you know, we'll be stuck in no-man's land. Um, and I just did a write-up of the play-in tournament and how it works. And I'll, I'll just explain that, you know, really quickly again for, for, your, for the listeners here, right? The play-in is for the 9 and 10 
seeded teams, right? The seven and eight will also be in a play-in game. How that's going to work is the nine and the 10 seed play each other. The winner of that advances to, to a game of the loser between the seven and the eight seed. The winner of the seven and eight seed is automatically the seven seed. So now you're, the true play-in game will be the winner of the nine and 10 seed and the loser of the seven and eight seed to get the eighth spot. So, you know, what we're looking at there, it's, it's not no man's land to make that. What you're doing is you're giving yourself an opportunity to go in and, and truly get one playoff experience, uh, but two, you know, some additional recognition. And one of the things that we want to do, you know, exponentially right now is to put De'Aaron Fox out there because, you know, I don't know if it's over the last 15 games or 10 games. I don't have exactly what his numbers are in front of me. I think he's close to 30 points a game, man. That's, that is borderline, you know, superstar numbers. And to put him on a stage where people are watching a series, watching the play-in games, watching how the culture has changed in Sacramento, watching that there is a young superstar on a team that's getting better year over year in Sacramento is going to put us on the map. It's going to make good coaches want to come here. If we at any point in the future ever end up looking at moving on from Luke Walton, decide he's not the guy to get us to the next step, a good coach would want to come and in, in, and come to Sacramento and help us get to the next step, as well as we've always struggled with free agents, man. The, the impact on that identity change, even just making the play-in game, is huge for a franchise like Sacramento to, to like Phoenix, what they did last year in the bubble, right? Chris Paul was like, oh, hey, you know, that's, that's interesting. And that's, that kind of impact is so big, and that's what I think what – the people who are so against tanking are looking for and get is any kind of recognition that says the Kings are moving in the right direction, that they have a superstar, that they're not about tanking and rebuilding that they want to win now is huge, man. That that is the win. That's what I always say to those guys that I'm against that that are for tanking and why I'm against it. It's really that right there. And I think you agree. You have anything to add? I'm, I like that you brought up the Phoenix Suns um, and Devin Booker. The narrative, people forget, and I know you know this, KC, because I know you, you're an NBA junkie, right? Uh, last year, prior to the deadline, you know, Draymond Green, I think, came out. He does, that, he does TNT sometimes, you know, and I don't know if it was on there or wherever, but they said about Devin Booker, Dude, they need to, he needs to get out of there. Like, Phoenix is a wasteland. Like, get out. He need, he's wasting his career there was, was kind of the take, right? And um, all that changed, really, when, it, when they got into the bubble, you know, bar- yeah. which when barely. Small amount of games in the bubble. Yeah. Barely got into the bubble, and they were the hottest team in the bubble. And then all of a sudden, ownership said, we need to back it. Oh, Chris Paul said, I'll go to that wasteland, so to speak, right? Six months ago, it's a wasteland, blow it up. But I'll go there. Look at them now. You know, look at them now. Um, and it's just that, that, that quick, all of a sudden, that lightning can strike and you can go. You can go. And, and your trajectory for the next five, six, seven years is upwards and onwards, you know? And um, another another team is the Memphis Grizzlies. I look at the Grizzlies. John Morant, John Morant, 
is not is he's not as good as De'Aaron Fox, although everyone wants to believe it. I sent a thing to Ryan the other day, and it was John Morant catching an alley oop on a three on one fast break. Casey, he catches an alley oop and dunk it, and they're just like, "Oh, John Morant!" I'm like, "John Morant gets hyped because he can dunk and he gets alley oops, you know." But they but guess what? They lost. <laughs> yeah, they competed last year. And it's the it's the perception of around the team and all the things you laid out are are um, right there. I think the big thing around um, not playing for that for not competing the season out, you know, is they think they think that it's going to hinder the future and the future building of the Kings. And that's where I think it's just it's such a honestly such a trash take. It is such a trash take because if this was the Kings like years ago, I would say it would be a little different. Like back when, instead of trading for Harrison Barnes, that probably should have been the time where they decided to take that take to do this, you know, but when you just signed the max contract, you got veteran players, you've shown you can compete and your deficiencies really isn't in your starting lineup. Or you're really your starting six or seven. Your deficiencies are, you need a couple of more specialists on your bench and you need depth and your coach needs just to continue to develop as a coach and all of your players just need to, continue to develop as players and at the end you give them continuity and your team will grow that's the biggest problem with the kings they just need time they need development and they need a couple specialists they have the cap space in the offseason to be flexible all the all the people under contract are tradable assets which means like buddy and barnes their time will come one day they're all players that they can actually trade and get value for there's nobody under contract who's like oh god we got to tack a first round pick to get this fucker out of town so we can clear things up there's nothing like that so now is not the time to take and it's been why i'm so frustrated why ryan's so frustrated why you're so frustrated because it's not the time to do that going for a playing game is is better than tanking and it's just not so what's great is casey is we're post deadline and we don't got to entertain that anymore man you know we don't have to deal with that you know and honestly for is, Ken- those guys got to change all their articles they already wrote them man they, they already wrote all the articles for the rest of the year now they got to go rewrite all their stuff it's crazy you know <laughs> but I, at this point i would say i'm not gonna worry about them do you guys keep being wrong keep not not uh you know cheering for for uh the kings to win you know, and, and keep doing you because in Kingsland, you know, at this point, we're going to let go of those debates that are meaningless. But for Kings cast, I know with Ryan, like we're pro- Hey, Rashawn Holmes is here for the remainder of the season. I don't need to come on here and do every episode about the per- repercussions of him. Leave. I, it doesn't matter right now. We'll do that later. And it's same thing I recommend for people um, outside is they're not tanking. The draft isn't next week. Okay, we don't we don't care about scouting right now. I, I I just move on. Let's 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 cheer for the team now because like we started the episode, Casey Kingsland is more exciting when the Kings are winning. You feel me? Absolutely. Yeah. I, um. I think it's David Ladig on, um, my game discussion thread last night at the way end of the game. He made a comment and said, "Isn't this a lot more fun than tanking?" And it is, man. That's uh, that's true. And for, for fans, I, I don't know why you'd want want to be in that, you know, that space of trading good players, not competing in games, man. It, it's been a fun, you know, last week um, in Kingsland watching the Kings, and I'm really glad they went this direction, man. I know that that we were kind of waiting to see how they were going to go, and it's uh, it's really encouraging as a fan to to see that we're pushing this direction. KC, where can where where do you interact with most any? 
anything you want to plug since you're on here? I know you're all over the place in Kingsland. Anything you want to plug? Um, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll plug. I've been uh, talking with um, my guy at Cap City Crown here a lot recently. I've been using some of his material um, in our game recaps, and I, I really like some of the work that he's putting out right now. So um, it, the one plug that I'll do is for that page and that account if you guys don't like it you know I'll, I'll probably do a share here in the near future for that account but you guys should definitely go check it out i think there's some good material there and fall kc out there on kingsland too kc don't set yourself short don't be afraid to set yourself you're, you're growing man people i see you hate people hating on you loving you um you're doing a good job with the page man we do appreciate you uh you know partner with king's cast and i think we're building a cool community out there so shout out to you for sure from us so hey guys we appreciate you listening in if you ever want to interact or be a part of the show um you can always do so by tagging us you can find me and ryan on twitter and facebook at king's cast eric and at king's cast ryan and then we're active on our group kingsland so check that out join share with your friends um one thing i don't always plug please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you're listening. It really does help us get into the searches and gets us more followers, so we really would appreciate that. Um, so thanks, Casey, for joining me. Kingsland episode down. Um, with that, um, not for Ryan today, but we'll catch you next week. Ryan, this is Eric. Go Kings. <laughs>